Heavenly Father, I just pray for, pray for Colin as um, he shares with us um, what he's been working on, the words that you've given him, the inspiration that you've given him. And uh, I just pray as, as that, those words come out that you really bless Colin and he feels your presence so closely. And Lord, give us ears to hear and open our hearts to receive what Colin is going to say. Colin, bless you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You give me a wire. That's very dangerous, having a wire. I might get tangled. Oops. I've got to back away from the cameras. I can't spit on anybody from here, Tim. It's great to be back in Marlow. It's good to see some uh, familiar faces and some new faces and to meet people that I've heard a lot about. Uh, related, we, you know, uh, friends of my, you know, my family made friends with people in Marlow, which is fantastic. Just uh, before, before I get going, I just felt the Holy Spirit say something during the worship. And uh, I loved, I loved uh, the noise in this church. I love the noise in this church, especially during the two-minute silence. Because it was the kids playing. And the Spirit said to me, you know, we need to have the kids making more noise in this world and the adults making less. It would be a lot better place. But I, I really think that's a, health, a healthy sign for you guys just to think about and to meditate on. Grateful for seeds that are going to be planted in their lives that may change the world. We need that new life. So I want to thank God for that, those young lives that are gathering in the back of this room. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, if you love the people that come, then I will, I will, I will God a multiplication. I will multiply you. If you love the people that I've sent you already, I will multiply you. If you love the people that I've sent you already, I will multiply you. So often we look, wouldn't it be great if they got saved, or if this type of person got saved, or if that type of person got saved, and God sends us all the most difficult people sometimes, just to me anyway. And he says, if you love the ones that I send you, I will multiply. So yeah, that's a promise. You can do what you like with that. But I felt the Holy Spirit say it. And uh, you know, I... Uh, I uh, had a great time in the pool. Can I start my talk in a few minutes? Because I had a great time in the pool with Nathan and a, a team a couple of weeks ago. Nathan, I have to rebuke you. You haven't shown your grandmother the video, or she says you haven't, so, you know, of you dancing in the back of the car. Nathan was dancing in the back of the car. So that was funny. We had a lot of fun. But also, my heart was really over, overwhelmed with joy. You know, some of you have partnered with us. I know uh, you have, Anne. You, you, you partner with us in the work in Nepal, giving to the training out there. It's going great. The training is going fantastic out in Nepal. The little training center that we started in 2007 is now a three-story building uh, that looks like a proper college. It, I mean, it's still relatively small in terms of... But it's training people, men and women, to plant church out in the sticks in the Himalayas. The training courses we sit in, up in Camp Mandu, now they're being run by people that I trained back in 2007, which is amazing. Pete Hopkinson, I wish he was here this morning. I don't know where lots of my old friends are. But, uh, but he set up a microfinance project, and 
while I was there, we had a, a presentation from their charity, and they've now lent money to over a thousand families. Come on, if I, if I just did only that, only that conversation with Pete Hopkins in, in Bisson Abbey, if I only had that one conversation in, in my whole life, it'd be worth it. For a thousand families to get lifted out of poverty, they can send their kids to school, that husbands don't have to go abroad to work. You know, that's incredible. Isn't it incredible? So I, I'm a very happy man. And uh, thank you for sending Nathan with us. We had a good time. I could tell you loads of stories about that. But also, you know, I've, I've just passed my MA. I've just been told I passed my MA dissertation, which is fantastic, MA in theology. Some of you might be a bit worried about that uh, because you think my theology is a bit dodgy, but, you know, well. Uh, and uh, our church has started to grow, which is also amazing. My new church, which is fantastic. So there's lots of good things to be joyful for. Yeah, I thought I'd need to update you a little bit about what's happening with us. Oh, look at that. The mystery of Christ, Tim, this morning. That's what I was given to talk about. The mystery of Christ. Is that true of you? Anybody here a crazy charismatic? There's a few. Come on, there's a, there's a hand. I see those hands. Come on, Nigel. We're crazy charismatics, aren't we? What is it about the crazy charismatics? You know, the, our church was born because of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't some clever idea. It was an encounter with the living God. It was an encounter with the love of God that overwhelmed a bunch of young people. That's why we sit in this place. And we're old people now. <laughs> wrecked by an encounter we have with God. And if you read the Bible, that's full of stories of people whose lives were wrecked by an encounter with, the, with God. It's just the way of things. So we love the mystery of the Spirit. We love all things kind of woo, don't we? Or is it just me? Have you guys gone all kind of, have you gone all kind of uh, evangelical on me in my absence? Sorry? You're just being polite. I don't want polite. I want crazy charismatic. Come on, thank you, Nigel. There's one crazy charismatic. You know, because we love all that, don't we? I mean, I mean we, we get sometimes a bit worried about the excess of it, but we do love the encounter, don't we? We live for the encounter, don't we? Come on! Oh, the written word is good, but it's a bit boring. It's the encounter. We want the flesh and blood. But what about the word? Well, I just said it's a bit boring. I love it. My Bible's falling apart because I love it so much. But it, the Spirit is the one who reveals the word. And if you listen to nothing else of all I've got to say, then just focus on that. Let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Let the Holy Spirit lead you into all truth because that's what Jesus said he would do. In fact, I've got a quote there from Monty Python. That's what Jesus said, sir, just as the leper said to him. <laughs> There's no pleasing some people, that's what Jesus said. Anyway, uh, that's the next leper. But for those Monty Python fans, Jesus said, didn't he, in John chapter 16 to his disciples, the last night he was with them, I have so much more I want to tell you. So many more things I want to tell you about. But you're a bit thick. He didn't actually say that. He just said, but you cannot bear them at the moment. 
You cannot bear them. You cannot take them in. I know what it feels like. (laughs) You cannot take them in. But he says the Spirit is going to come, and when he comes, he's going to lead you into all truth. It's the Spirit who reveals truth to us. Hallelujah. Thank you. (laughs) You might get excited in a minute. (laughs) I love the fact that you're doing uh, Ephesians, and that's Watchman Nee. I read uh, a book of his. Am I not standing in the right place, Tim? I'm sorry about that. I wonder. One of my favorite quotes is, not all those who wander are lost. So, he's the one that kind of did a a commentary on the book of Ephesians, and he summed it up with those three words, sit, walk, and stand. The first half of that book is all about being seated with Christ. The next two chapters are about how we stand, sorry, how we walk with one another, and the last chapter is about how we stand in the face of the enemy. And honestly, the truth is, the truth is, we cannot walk well with other people, and we cannot stand against the enemy's tactics very well unless we know we're seated with Christ. It's the source of life. Jesus said, to know me, to know God, is the source of life. It's eternal life. It's only then that we can live well. So we've got to understand those first three chapters that we've been looking at in the last few weeks. You've had some great talks already, but I've listened to them online. Fantastic talks. Read those chapters again and again and again. Let it go from your head to your heart that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. When the world bombards you with bad news, lift yourself and say, I am seated above that bad news. It doesn't make the bad news go away necessarily. It doesn't change anything, but it changes the way you look at it. It changes the way you feel about it. And you know that in the end, God will sort it out because God is the one who sorts out everything in the end. And if it's not good yet, it's not finished yet. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And that's, why, that's what Jesus did. Because if you remember, way back when he was washing his disciples' feet, the only reason it said he was able to do that was because he knew where, he, where he'd come from He knew where he was going. He knew the Father had given all things into his hands and so he wrapped a towel around his waist and served. It's the only way we can live well with one another is when we're confident about who we are in Christ. And the same is true with the wonders that he did, the, the healings and the deliverances, because he knew that all authority had been given him. All authority in heaven and on earth had been given him. And he says, I give you authority too over all the works of the enemy, to trample on things. And so this is the place, this is the place that we need to dwell in, to dwell from. It's the source of all joy and all life. If you say so, Colin. (laughs) Come on! If you say so, I'm not saying so. Jesus is saying so. This is the quote, this is the passage I was given to speak on this morning. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you've heard the administration of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before briefly. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to mankind or womankind, 
as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit or by the Spirit. So the mystery of Christ, he's saying, has now been revealed by the Spirit. What is a mystery? A mystery is something hidden or secret. So my slides aren't working quite as I intended, but that's okay. It means you, you get to know the answers before I ask the questions. What is a mystery? A mystery is something hidden or kept secret. Isn't that a strange thing? Why is it hidden or kept secret? I'm going to ask you that question before my slide comes up. Why is it a secret? Why is it a mystery? <laughs> Thank you, Mary. People aren't ready to hear it often. Yes, you're right. And God is so gentle. He refuses to force it on those who don't want it or aren't ready for it yet. Which is beautiful. It's enough to make you weep. The gentleness of God is stunning. Any other reasons why? It's a mystery. It's good to search. Come on, Nigel. Those who seek, find. It means so much more, doesn't it, when we search for something and have found it. If someone gives you something, often it can go in one ear and out the next. It can go in one hand and out the next. But when we search for something and it takes us a long time to find it and we find it, we throw a party like the woman looking for the coin. So, yeah, I had um, a couple of reasons for freedom. It's what, basically what you were saying, Mary. God loves our freedom. He refuses to violate it. So it's a secret so that those who, who want it can find it. If you want the mysteries of God to be revealed to you this morning, if you really want them, they're there. And God promises you those who seek find. That's just the truth. So search diligently. Search for it as you would search for a lost treasure. I once lost my car keys on the mountain. You know, how mad was I? I went climbing back up the mountain in the rain as it was getting dark to try and find my car keys. That's mad, isn't it? Isn't that mad? But why did I do that? I couldn't, I was about to go home the next day. Yeah, I couldn't get home. But my car was pretty valuable. I just bought it a few months earlier. And I needed my car keys. So I went up on the mountain as it was getting dark and as it was raining thinking I'm never going to find this. I ran through the heather on the way down, full of joy. I think I was regretting my, my exuberance. I climbed to the top of the mountain, and then I thought, oh, well, I haven't found them. I just go down to where I had lunch, and I found my car keys. <laughs> that was glory. But, but the point is, we look for the things that are valuable to us. I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, are we, are we searching for the mysteries of Christ today still? Some of us have been around a long time. It's just a question. Are we still searching? Or have we found it all already? And the other thing is we cannot bear it now because Jesus said so. You see, some people think it would be so much easier if the Bible was just a straightforward list of rules. And some people demand that you treat it that way. It says it in the Bible. It must be true. Honestly, it shows a complete lack of understanding. It does show a complete lack of understanding of what Scripture is. Scripture is a story. It needs to be interpreted. 
Everything in Scripture needs to be, and we all interpret it whether we like it or not. So never let anybody, you know, who gets really kind of self-confident around you, telling you what the Bible says, allow them to, to derail you. Let the Spirit teach you. That's why we're, we're charismatics. Crazy, sometimes. Let the Spirit teach you what the story is actually saying. Don't let religion force its way on you. Don't be constrained by religion. Okay. Ah, look at that. That's terrible. My slides. Have you heard of any unhelpful mysteries? Because some mysteries can be very unhelpful. Any Christians told you any unhelpful mysteries that you struggle with? And if you're sitting there and no one speaks to me, I'm going to accuse you all of being liars. Why bad things happen to good people. There's a whole book on that in the Bible. A whole book on that. And in the end, when God's answering, he doesn't really answer the question. He just says the creation's really complex if you tried running it. I love that about God. He's so real. Any other unhelpful mysteries? Oh my word, that's not a mystery. That's just, that's just plain old religion and men trying to keep hold of control. Oh, you're joking. I break that off you in the name of Jesus. Paul said, let the women learn. The, the person to see the risen Christ, the first person to have the good news announced to them fully and all of fullness was Mary Magdalene, a woman who went and she was an apostle to the apostles, for goodness sake. Never let anybody tell you a woman to lead you. Co-heir with Christ. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. In Christ the Christ male and female. Please, let no one speak to you that way. That's just nonsense. That's not a mystery. The only mystery is how we put up with it for so long. Any other unhelpful mysteries? We could get into a lot of hot water, couldn't we, if we wanted to. You guys are t far too timid. I just want to say that. Far too timid. I don't know why that is. Maybe you're just not sure. Maybe you think I'm going to tear a strip off you or something. But in, honestly, we've got to get bolder with the truth. Here's some that I thought of. Whoever thought of the phrase God's sovereignty and man's accountability was talking nonsense. You may not have heard of that. If you're a theologian, you will definitely have heard of that because that's the way that Calvinists explain how God can be the blueprint God, the God who's ordained everything and yet hold us accountable for our sins. It's nonsense because either we are the cause of our sins or God is. Either God's pre-planned them, in which case it's his fault, or we've chosen them, in which case it's our fault. Calvinists don't like that, but it's just nonsense. And when, when, how often have you heard this? How often have you heard this? Sorry? God's in control and? Oh, my word. <laughs> they completely ignore what Jesus says, don't they? Jesus says God's in control, all right, but actually he says that God refuses to, to control, and so this, in this life you will have trouble. Again, Jesus is uh, much more real about things. One of the most infuriating things I hear Christians say again and again and again, it's just an excuse for lazy thinking. And if you're offended by this, please 
deal with it. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, oh, we can't understand that, brother or sister, because God's ways are so much higher than our ways. I say it in a, in a platitude kind of way, because actually that's the way it's spoken. It's to keep you quiet about asking questions. It's ridiculous. It's lazy. Yes, God's ways are hard in our ways, but he wants us to understand. He wants us to grow in our understanding. In fact, we're commanded to grow in our understanding. He wants mature children, not children that just let anything go because it's so much higher than our, our, we can never understand. That's just an unhelpful mystery. Anyway, I, won't talk, I can get lost on that. This is the mystery for Paul. Okay, and he tells us this in the next verse, which I wasn't given. But you've got to have the context for the verses that you are given. Otherwise, you get lost. So the, he says that the very reason, sorry, the, the very mystery that's been revealed to me is that the Gentiles are included. They are co-heirs, fellow heirs with us Jews. They are fellow members of the body of Jesus, God's people. They are fellow partakers of the promises of God in Christ. That is amazing. Why was that amazing? Because it was only the Jews up to then. They were God's special chosen people. Well, that was the common misconception. Because the God's ways are higher often than ours, and we simplify things down. God chose us, we must be in, and everybody else must be out. And Jesus revealed something very different. So different, shockingly different. We, we've lost the power of that, the shock of that. We've got so used to saying it, and most of us are Gentiles, let's be, let's be honest. But the fact is, the Jews considered the Gentiles to be unclean. They wouldn't even go into their houses for fear of getting tainted with uncleanliness. They refused to eat with them because they were like, considered them to be dirty as dogs. And here Paul is saying, this is the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ is that the Gentile dogs, the dirty ones, are included in the body of Christ. They are co-heirs. They share the same inheritance and promises as us. Hallelujah. Our God is an inclusive God. That's the mystery. Reconciliation is the mystery. Reconciliation in Christ. God is reconciling all things in Christ, both in heaven and on earth. Chapter 1 says he's gathering all things, doesn't it? All things. Now, that's pretty good news. We've forgotten that, largely, in church, sadly. We love to say, for you, who's in and who's out. We love to, religion does that, always. But Christ is gathering all things. Oh, there you go. If you don't believe me, read chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. And that's what it says. Another one of my favorite verses at the moment where it says, Jesus Christ, the saviour of all men and women, especially, the sa especially those in the body of Christ, especially the brethren. What? Just go away and think about that for a few years. But how do we get there? By the Spirit, Paul says, I pray that you'll be strengthened in your inner man by the Spirit, that you'll have power to grasp how high and how long, how wide and how deep is the love of Christ, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Because Christ is the root, but we only get there through the Spirit. 
as, as we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, as we have fellowship with the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God, who teaches us all things, that's how we grow into maturity. But we only get there through love. And again, religion will tell you all kinds of other routes to get there, but actually the only way to get there is through love. Love people. It's beautiful, you know. So mystery is revealed by or in the Holy Spirit. And it's revealed in relationship. So that's why things like prayer help, because prayer is it's conversation, isn't it? So we, we are spending time working on our relationship with God in prayer. Same is true with the Bible reading. If we, if we read it right, we're reading the stories about God, and therefore we're growing in our understanding of who he is and how he operates. It's about building our friendship, our relationship with him. And the same is true with fasting and every other spiritual discipline. It's about stirring up that relationship. But the Spirit can only teach children. That's why Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, you're never going enter to the, enter the kingdom. Not while you live, anyway. Children are so teachable. Are we teachable now, or do we think we know it all? <laughs> I live with some teenagers who definitely know it all. <laughs> Let's be honest, there's a few grey hairs in this room. Okay, just, just saying. There's a few grey hairs in this room. We know the older we get, actually, the less we really know for certain. Isn't that true? But we have a lot of wisdom along the way. A lot of wisdom along the way. But let's be children, because it's, let's be inquisitive, Let's be willing to learn. And remember that the mysteries get revealed slowly because it's complex. Jesus says the same to you as he said to his disciples. I've got so much more to tell you. You can't bear it today. I'm not going to download it all in one go. <laughs> Only if, if our heads were just like computers, you could plug our life and download it all. No, no, no. No, it wouldn't be great because you could miss all the fun. Actually, we need to grow, but we, it can only happen slowly. I mean, as we diligently seek Him. Now, sometimes revelation that we receive breaks with tradition, like with the Gentiles being included as fellow heirs. Another one I really love is the fact that in the New Testament, when a clean thing touches an unclean thing, they both become clean. Whereas in the Old Testament, when a clean thing touches the unclean, they both become unclean. Because we carry the presence of God, and God is the light. He always drives out the darkness. So, you know, some, some revelations completely break our understanding of old relations as the Spirit teaches us. And if you don't get that, the Bible will always not make sense to you. You have to see that in Scripture. It's not a, a once... You know, set of truths throughout all of time in history. It's a progressive revelation of understanding of Jesus. We haven't attained it all yet, as Paul says. You know, not that I've already attained all this, he says in Philippians, but I press on to lay hold of the, upward, you know, the prize, the upward call of God in Christ. Are we pressing on? Because we've got to watch out, okay? 
there's two dangers. If you allow the Spirit to teach, that's dangerous, isn't it? Someone should be shouting at me. If you were awake, someone, you said, no, we've got the Bible, Colin. How dare you tell us that we need the Spirit to teach us? It's dangerous. You're giving people free range to believe anything they like. I kind of am, actually. If you understand it truly. But there are two really significant dangers in this. I will agree with you. There's a danger that we can be too sure of what we've already believed and laid hold of. And that leads to persecution. Yeah? They put, Paul was right, right in this Ephesian book from prison. He was enchained because of his faith. Because the inclusion of the Gentiles was so disgustingly abhorrent to the people of his faith, to his brothers and sisters, they locked him up. They wanted to kill him. Let's not be people who are so sure of what we believe that we stop learning from the Holy Spirit. But also, let's not be too unsure so that we get led into all kinds of dead ends and blind alleys. Because that's also dangerous if we believe anything that we're told. Test it, is what I'm saying. You have to test it. Test it. And, you know, I could talk about many times in the past we've gone down dead dead alleys really because we believe things as church that maybe we should not have believed harmful things which have not really glorified God and you know I don't have to name them you, I can see some nodding heads and I'll tell you what guys I, I've spoken to people this week last week I spoke to a man at my kids my son's football match he'd left church because of this I spoke to someone else this week who's clinging on to church by their fingernails because of this. Come on, when are we going to grow up and start really grappling with the difficult stuff? When are we going to stop being religious and actually be spiritual? When are we going to stop people exiting out of our church because we're religious? Let's be the best lovers. Let's not be the best... I don't even know the word. Religious zealots. Please, I beg you, I absolutely beg you, let's be the best lovers. Help people make sense of what's going on around them in love. Who is the mystery revealed to? The mystery was revealed to the apostles and prophets, Paul says. But is that all that the mystery is revealed to? Yes, because the answer's up there. <laughs> only, not only the impossible. God wants to reveal his mysteries to us all. But it's only as we seek and only as we ask. Because it's those who ask who get an answer. And it's those who seek who find. Now, you can't read that slide, okay? I'm sorry about that. But that's just my, that's my funny musings. I was listening to Tom Wright talk about salvation and it being like Russian dolls. And the first little Russian doll over the end here is about... Freedom from judgment. Some people just sat are satisfied that they're not going to be condemned for the things they've done wrong. They're no forgiveness. That's great. But that's just the beginning of salvation. That's not the end. Some people are just satisfied they're going to have eternal life. 
that they know that when they die, they're not going to really die. They're going to have li- they're going to live forever, freedom from the fear of death. That's great, but that's not salvation. That's the beginning of salvation. Some of us know Holy Communion. We know God's presence with us. We know God with us. I could bore you with story after story of God with me. Crazy stuff happening. God sending whole flocks of birds I've never seen in my life to my garden because I prayed and asked him to. People being healed just because I prayed and asked him to. Financial provision when I set out, miraculous financial provision when I set out in ministry just because God wanted me to know that I was stepping out in a good way. Holy communion leads to freedom from sin because when you know God's living with you, you can't sin. Have you ever tried sinning in the presence of God? Anybody done that? It's, it's virtually impossible. You run away. You hide when you want to sin. Anyway, but that, that's all about the salvation of a person, of an individual. And that's great, but it's just the beginning. We have to move on. We need to know that we live in eternal life now like Jesus did so that we have the freedom to serve. And that's not the end. We need to know, like Jesus did, that we're kingdom come people, that we're the bringers of the kingdom. We're empowered and enabled to bring heaven to earth now. This is salvation of creation. Creation is groaning, waiting for the sons of God to grow up. Waiting for the daughters of God to grow up and know who they are. Not that they can put everything right, but they can put some things right. This is the work of the Spirit, guys, as we give ourselves to seeking and searching. So I'll finish. This is my question for you. And the fact that you're here tells me a little bit about you. There is still some search left in you. But are we really pressing on? Are we really seeking answers? Because every generation needs to find answers for their current generation. We can't repeat like simple platitudes, answers that were given to generations hundreds of years ago and expect them to say, oh yes, of course, because everything's moved on. We need to explain the truth. The truth doesn't change, but we need to find language and the ways of explaining it, which does resonate with the people that we're talking to. Anyway, I'll I'll leave that with you. Are you, am I, pressing on? A couple of ways I've suggested you could press on. You could do a WTC course, do some some study. That's serious. You could come and join me on a, a relational theology webinar. December the 5th, we're doing a monthly, or you could sign up to our um, day. We've got a whole day on relational theology in March. Come along, hang out with us and discuss it. Let the spirit, whatever you do, do something, grow in these days so that you, we all become apostles and prophets to some degree, able to bring salvation to a bit of creation. Amen? Because that's the desire of the spirit. And I've rattled through so much. I'm sorry about that. (sighs) You know, Johnny, you said that earlier. Someone has spoken terrible words over you. God is setting you free today. It's time to grow. It's time to grow. It's time to grow. It's time to stand up. And I see you standing head and shoulders above people. The Spirit will lift you. The Spirit gives grace to the humble. The Spirit will do wonders around you, Johnny. 
He's going to do wonders around you, not because you've earned it, not because you're better than anybody else, just because you're hungry and just because you're being childlike. There's freedom coming to you, a fresh season of freedom to come today. Run in it, Johnny. Just run in it. Come on. I'd love to stay and prophesy to everybody, but time doesn't permit. Dinners are on the, on the go. But I hear the Spirit speaking over you. Grow in this season. There's fresh wonder for you in this season. Don't settle for what you've experienced. Even if you haven't experienced wonder for a few years, actually, don't settle for where you're at. There's wonder, real wonder. And I love the way you're looking at me at the moment, Matt, and it's half, it's half excited and half thinking, yeah. But there, there really is wonder coming for you in these days, Matt, because God is amazing. Honestly, God is amazing. His forgiveness is incredible. His grace is unbelievable. His power, it goes without saying. And it's all for you and towards you. And you're going to experience some of that in these days, my friend. Keep looking with those same curious eyes. And God is going to show you stuff which is going to blow you away. It's going to melt you as well. It's going to totally wreck your heart. So it's going to cause a few problems. But it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. Paul runs out of words to describe the fantastic nature of God. And that's for you, my friend. That's for all of us, but it's particularly for you this morning. Keep searching. Be desperate in your search, Matt, because God is desperate to show you wonder, as you do. So, yeah, Father, I don't know what to pray, really, for my friends here. I love them all, Lord Jesus. This is a tremendous family. I grew up in this family. And... uh, Thank you for their patience with me. And I pray for them, Father, that you reveal yourself. You're the God who loves to reveal himself. And Paul prayed for the Ephesians that you would grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And my prayer is for this church. They would grow in confidence in what you're revealing to them about your nature in this season. That They might proudly... Get up on a high place and declare the kingdom of God. Declare, this is our God. He's amazing. He's wonderful. Father, grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation that they might know you. That they might live in eternal life. Not when they die, but now, before they die, while they live amongst everybody that they live and work amongst. Let your kingdom come in this place, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Colin. Anybody enjoy that? Put your hands together. <laughs> Nigel, just really quick, yeah? I want to quit, but um, can you come back up, mate? I've been called a lot of things in this church. One of them is Mr. Sensible. I'm a civil engineer. Alistair knows what that means in terms of colleagues. Sometimes they think you're have no sense of humor, no nothing. You're just very, very sensible about everything. God has wrecked me. And well, I really believe we've heard from God this morning. Um, it might not, easy, whoa, not always be easy to understand. Um, but that's the, that's the nature of searching. We need to keep searching. Colin mentioned very briefly how River Church started or how Marlow Fellowship was started. Um, 
they were part of a church. That church wouldn't receive what God showed them. That church meant, whoa, they had to leave. And I don't want to be part, I want to be part of a church that as we grow older, we release the young people to hear from God and to do what it is that God's calling them to do. That corner over there is anointed, I promise you, it's anointed. It's not just noisy, it's anointed. Whoa, we need to release the next generation and we need to support them, not say we can't cope with it, you'll have to go off and do it on your own. I really think that's important to hear. Whoa. So, Father, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for our attitudes. Forgive us for, what we, uh, for when we, we hold things so tight that we won't let go, we won't let you show us new things. I pray, Father, a release of your spirit over us in the days to come, Father God, that you will indeed find us a place where you can bring people. In Jesus' name, amen.